This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. The Blitz 1170 stream is brought to you by Duck Creek Casino, your hometown casino. All right, 206 here on the Blitz 1170, broadcasting live from the Ike Chilliard studio, serving four generations of Tulsa since 1908. Welcome in here on the program. You know, sometimes, Matt, Dave Chappelle had a bit that was called When Keeping It Real Goes Wrong. (laughs) We might have an instance of that from a current head football coach at a Power 5 school that might have just so happened to be on the national championship coverage that might have just got hired. And I am speaking of one Prime because Prime went on TV and the story that we talked about yesterday yeah, and said, oh, hey, by the way, we're not opening up with TCU anymore. We're trying to move a, a game to week zero against Arizona State so we would have national TV coverage. And also TV networks like the fact that you can have a high-profile game week zero yeah. before the season actually traditionally starts. Well, evidently, that plan has been nixed because Prime wasn't supposed to go on TV and actually say anything about it, and he did. He just blabbed all to ESPN. Oh. So they have now pulled the plug on that. So evidently, TCU will, or excuse me, Colorado will go on the road and open up at TCU for the Deion Sanders debut game. Woof. A school which he also interviewed at and finished third in the process. All right, let's set up the hotline here on the Blitz 1170 and welcome in a gentleman that might, I might assume, and you know what happens when you assume, maybe has thrown a few back in celebration. Uh, and that is Jake Rowe, the senior editor for Dogs HQ for On3, joining us here on the Blitz. Uh, Jake, what's going on today, man? How are you doing on this Wednesday? Man, I'm exhausted. I took a red eye to San Diego. Um, last night, uh, we got on a plane at around 10.30. We landed at Pacific time, and we landed at about five, ten after 5 on uh, this morning. So kind of came home. The, 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 the plane was a, uh, was a flying crock pot. Um, <laughs> it was I, – I was, I was fall off the bone by the time I got out of that thing. Um, it was so hot. I didn't sleep any. But uh, I had a wonderful time out there, out west. I, I do enjoy the West Coast. I do enjoy the Pacific Ocean. You don't do a whole lot of celebrating. I've been covering the team for a long time, and it's it's great to see him do well, and it's great to see the Stetson Bennett story uh, play out like he did. Because I'm actually just getting home and getting the chance to watch the game for the first time and see how much fun he had. Um, and I'm actually working on kind of a column right now to talk about how fitting of an end that is for him. Um, but it was fun to see all that play out. Didn't do a whole lot of celebrate. Really, just celebrate the end of the season. To be honest with you, it's uh, um, you know you, you cover fifteen games. It's, it's long, substantial. That's long, um, man. And, and uh, yeah, but it's it's been a lot of fun and uh, improbable. I, I I never would have thought uh, Georgia would have would have won back to back national championships. Uh, you know, would have been able to repeat after losing as much as they did, and just the complacency that usually comes with with winning a title and and here you are uh 41 years between titles and uh you know 
can't even can't even get 400 days between the the second two. All right. So before we get to the actual game, two questions. Uh, one, what the hell are you doing up? And two, if you didn't get into five, and the second one would be, aren't you kind of glad though that you left last night and you didn't try to leave this morning and deal with all that FFA stuff that was happening where they had to ground flights? So a little bit of you has to be happy that you did decide to take the red eye last night. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, I, I there, there's a, there's a couple different ways that could have gone, and I definitely ended up on the good side of that. Um, you know, so I mean, that was one of the that was one of the you know there was there was bad there was a bad option, there was a worse option, and and I got the bad one uh, that actually you know turned out to be good. Uh, you know, so I'm sure I haven't reached out to them, but I'm sure there are a lot of fellow members of the of the beat that are there and. You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I came home and I kind of dozed off, uh, you know, for about 45 minutes. And uh, I've had my three-year-old at home because my mother-in-law was keeping him. So I just, I, we've kind of been just, you know, messing around today. I hadn't seen him in a while. And uh, he's my only, he's my only son. So we tend to get into the same childish things together and, and, uh, and, and goof off. So we've been doing that today. And um, I'm just happy not to be dealing with some rain. I, I, I told somebody this week, I said, man, I got to experience something so unique. I got to listen. I got to experience it rain like crazy in, in Los Angeles. Not very many people get to do that. No, they do not uh, at all. Um, now to the game. I mean, what a you-know-what whipping of historic proportions, right? I mean, there's no other way to put it. Um, all the things that come along with a game like that uh, and then the storylines on it. Um, I, I I made this point. I even with the dominating fashion, like TCU still earned the right to play in that game. And I know people questioned about it, and then it turned into the whole stuff conference versus conference and where they're at. None of that matters because I don't know who the heck else you would have put in there. They beat Michigan for crying out loud. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is that even TCU talked about it afterwards. Sonny said himself, we found out what it was like to try to compete on an elite level, and we have a long, long way to go. Uh, I'll ask you, is that about the best overall performance that you've seen at least this season from the Georgia from the from the Bulldogs offensively and defensively putting it all together in that game? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, and, and the two games that I would kind of put in that category, the the first and the last, right? Um, the first one and the last one they played that uh, this season, I would say that they played out kind of the same way, which is. Yeah, Georgia played extremely well, and Georgia also got some help from the other team, um, you know, via turnover. And, you know, there were basically, you know, two games this year where Georgia did um, get, you know, forced turnovers, and they were just absolute drubbings. And that was that was the uh, Oregon game and the uh, CCU game. And, um, you know, South Carolina a little bit too, that one was also an, a, a drubbing. So, you know, it's one of those things that's where – you know, Georgia showed how, how much of an elite team it is um, because you can't give them anything. I mean, Georgia, they actually kind of gave team stuff all year long, found a way to win some close games after falling behind the turnover margin. But when they got it and, and they, you know, teams made mistakes for them, um, they showed you kind of what an elite team should do, even when it's playing a good football team. And Georgia didn't get TCU's best shot. I would love to see that game that Georgia gave TCU's best shot because I think it would be a fun game to watch. Um, it just, I mean, I, I don't, I just don't think TCU wins it, you know, once in 10 times, no. like once out of 20. No. Um, the other part of this, you kind of mentioned it with Stetson and what a game that he had 
Um, I came away about as impressed as what I've been. And I look, I've lived the Todd Monken experience here in this state and have been a fan of his for, for multiple years. But it's almost like the week between games, Todd Monken read everything that everything was saying about him. And Todd was like, all right, mess around and find out just exactly how good I am. I mean, Todd was in his bag from the opening moments of that game. And really, I thought, put on a master class of how to attack the TCU defense. He did, and I, I thought that the I thought that the genius of it was understanding and and basically kind of going into it with the plan that hey they're going to have to be over aggressive they're going to have to push the envelope they're going to have to really go after it um, to to win this game and and you know they, TCU doesn't have a very good defense I mean it's just not very good it gives up a lot of explosive plays it gives up a lot of yardage a lot of points. And, you know, Munkin knew – you go into that game knowing one of two things. Either it's going to be one extreme or the other. They're going to either let the umbrella out and just make you, you know, put together long drives or they're going to just refuse to die death by a thousand cuts. They're going to, you know, go boom or bust on you and see if they can keep up, uh, you know, on the scoreboard, which is not a bad idea for an offense that played that well. That is something they had it quite, you know, calculated that they were going to make some mistakes and that Georgia defense was going to kind of bounce back from a crappy effort against – Ohio State, um, or really two in a row if you consider the, the LSU game as well. So I think that ultimately it was it was Todd Munkin more than anything else capitalizing on the fact that TCU knew it had to uh, it had to be super aggressive and you know, you saw it over and over and over again shot plays Stetson Bennett bailing basically baiting the guy uh, into a rush and, and bailing out on the pocket uh, Georgia Georgia was ready for anything and everything TCU threw at him. The other part that is so, I think, alarming to anyone outside of the Georgia fan base would be this. We can go down the names, uh, the Chris Smiths of the world, the Jalen Carters, uh, the Ringos. Um, yeah, they played a role in this, but this was basically the story of the young dogs uh, and just exactly how much damage that they were able to inflict on TCU. And the majority of those guys are back, which I think scares the hell out of a lot of people in college football. Uh, kind of sets the stage already. Kirby's been talking about it. I know you said off the top of this, hey, you lose 15 guys like that. Uh, no one really expects them to maybe run it back in this style or this fashion. Uh, but n- now you start to look at how the stage is set. And Kirby said now the next thing is is not allowing the entitlement to creep into the locker room. Man, what a what a phenomenal coaching job. Just what a what a job that Kirby's done since day one on that program to put them in position. And he's 47. This isn't Saban in his 70s. He's 47 years old. He may look like he's 60, but this guy has this university poised to go on an Alabama-esque, maybe even better type run with what we've seen with two championships already in the bag. And this is where and this is where it kind of sucks, right? This is why these guys get paid $10 million a year and get paid an astronomical amount because now is when it gets hard. Yeah. You just did something incredibly hard. You did something – you just did something incredibly hard. You did something incredibly hard the year before that. What you just did was probably a little harder. Now you've got to do, go do something that's, that's never been done before when a team has played more than eight games in a season. You're going to play almost double the games and try to win in a playoff era. In a playoff era, you're going to try to win three championships in a row. And the thing is, is like – by the time you go on that journey, the way college football is put together, by the time you go on that journey, you win 13 games. Let's say Georgia goes 13-0, and goes into the college football playoff next year, plays in the Sugar Bowl as the number one seed. 
and they lose. There's going to be some upset people. They're not going to be calling for Kirby's job or anything like that. I hope not. I mean, I really hope not. I hope they steal those. I hope they, you know, you know, kill internet access for people that have, that have that opinion um, because that's unreasonable. But but you know, it's there's going to be some pain involved. It's going to be it's going to hurt. Georgia's got a chance to to do some special things here. And um, you know, when you get to that point, it's it's it, there's a lot that goes into trying to actually make history, and and that's going to be a really fascinating storyline. And they're going to have so much returning to have a chance to make that happen. I mean, it's this was a little bit of a rebuilding year for Georgia. I mean, it really was. And and you know, that Georgia fans should should like you know thank their stars that Seth Minute decided to come back and lead the team because if he doesn't, there's no telling you know what happens. Um, but but you know if they can get the quarterback situation worked out and things like that, it's going to be a really good team. But another way this thing gets really hard is you know, you're looking at the 2024 class and you've got Dylan Raiola, who's the number one player in the country. He's a, he's a, he was at the game the other night because he lives in the area. Uh, you know, his, his dad was Matthew Stafford's center in college. They, he's been around the Georgia program for a long time. He's trending Georgia's way now. Georgia's got a chance to get him. They've got a chance to get the number one tight end in the country for the 2023 class in the second signing period. Uh, they got two amazing transfer, you know, two really good transfer wide receivers. They feel like they hit the jackpot on, and those are Georgia's wide receivers coach. His words on the record, not mine. Um, it's, it's, it's like it did with Alabama. It's all falling in their lap. But sometimes when that happened with Alabama, it didn't go their way. You know, they, they didn't win a championship. I mean, looking back at what Nick Saban did, he won more championships with the A.J. McCarrens and the Greg McElroys and the Jacob Cokers and the Mac Jones of the world than he did with Tua or Bryce Young. And, you know, so I, I just think that it's something that we've got to keep, kind of keep a close eye on here is everybody's like, yeah, well, it's just getting better and better and better for Georgia. But it's done this before for a lot of different programs in a lot of different ways, and it doesn't always get better. And so that's that's the challenge that Kirby Smart has ahead of him if he wants to make history. The legacy cemented. He's the greatest coach in Georgia football history. He's one of the greatest coaches in SEC history. Um, but but if he wants to make more history, it's it's going to be really hard. Last one that I have for you is with Stetson now leaving. What's next for them at quarterback? I know they've got a couple of young guys that are there, but is this the case where this is 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 Carson Beck kind of the favorite to take over the starting job? Well, see, this is how this is how weird this is, and 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 for those that um, you may not, this may be inside baseball for some. They don't really care. Uh, Georgia's got three quarterbacks on the roster. Carson Beck is the odds-on favorite, I would say, right now. Um, you know, uh, Brock Vandegrift has been around longer and has been, you know, basically the number three quarterback this season. Gunnar Stockton has been impressive on the scout team all season. Uh, all three are really talented guys, highly regarded by the recruiting industry. Beck probably least, less so than the others, uh, but he's been around for a while and he's gotten a lot better. Georgia has to play this a certain way. Um, there's nothing Carson Beck or, or Gunnar Stockton or Brock Vandegrift can do to get named the starter after spring practice. I don't think they can, anybody can get named the starter before the, hardly before the first game of the season simply because if it's Gunnar Stockton, he might be the only quarterback on the roster, and he's good enough to be that guy. Um, you know, I, I've had people tell me they think he will be that guy. But if Kirby Smart names Gunnar Stockton the quarterback, starting quarterback too soon, Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift are probably going to transfer. Mm-hmm. So Georgia can't do that. And it's, Beck might be the only, like, reasonable guy that they could kind of roll in as a starter and, and name that early and ahead of time and give him, a, you know, the bulk of those first-team reps or whatever. 
Um, but but and, and and then Stockton might stick around. But there's no way that 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 Georgia can can really be front facing and, and ahead of the game here at the quarterback position because they got to keep as many of these guys around as possible. So it's just kind of the I don't know if you'd call it politics or logistics or logistics. I don't know what you would call it, but there's there's just a way you've got to kind of you know feel and 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 deal with these delicate situations at quarterback. And Georgia's about to have to deal with that. And I think they're going to be fine, um, you know, through it all. But at the same time, I do think it's you know again get back to that salary. That's why you make it deal stuff like this. Jake, rest up, man. I appreciate your time for us here in Tulsa. Uh, look forward to maybe at some point down the road doing this again. Uh, always appreciated your insight here over the last couple times that we've had you on. And uh, as I said, man, get some rest and uh, spend some time with your son. And, and again, thank you so much. All right, man. Y'all take care. Appreciate it. That is uh, Jake Rowe joining us here, the senior editor of Dogs HQ for On3, covering the Georgia Bulldogs much like the same scenario that every college coach in the country is in when you have highly recruited guys on your campus and on your roster at the same time. There's a, but it, it keeps going back, right, Matt, to about you've got about a year window. Yep. Year window to get this figured out. That's about all they're willing to wait now. Let's change the game. And Georgia's not going to be any different with the way that the quarterback job is handled. Now, if one starts to feel a certain way or even get up in his feels, that second transfer portal opening after spring could become interesting for the Georgia Bulldogs. But all hail the national champs, undisputed heavyweight champs of the world. I don't know if they've spray-painted the belt like Hollywood Hogan did, but so be it. We'll take a timeout. It's 2.24 here on the Blitz 1170. Broadcasting live from the Ike's Chili House studio, serving four generations of Tulsans since 1908. We've got more college basketball here coming up in a bit. Uh, and, and we'll run down the schedule that we have for you coming up this week. That's next year on the Blitz 1170. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.